This podcast is a ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And now, the message. Well, um, for the last few weeks now, uh, unbeknownst to you, we have kind of been in a series of sorts, a series about discipleship. It started, actually, as, as our guys went away for the men's retreat, we, we talked about discipleship. And uh, while we are away, um, the messages here focused on discipleship. Dave did a great job talking about where are you. And uh, Nick's, uh, uh, Jim's message challenged us about where, what, our, what our history, maybe what our legacy, what our story would look like. I think about Nick's message about whether or not we're fans or followers. And by the way, that's the ongoing study that our teens are doing down in Access. Uh, this week I heard from another parent who said, my kids love coming to Access downstairs. And so we're thankful for that. And then last week, we, we kind of continued to build on this idea. And what came out of last week, and, and really, as I showed you, some of the things that we talked about at the men's retreat as well, was that it's possible that what we think discipleship looks like, what we think it means to know him and to follow him, might not line up with what Jesus actually intended. This is is important to us as a church because our tagline is helping people on a journey toward knowing and following Jesus. And last week we talked about the fact that sometimes we get the impression that those are two options. Knowing him and then following him is like the second option. Like you you can be like a, you know, phase one believer or you can really ramp it up and be a spiritual believer and follow him. And so we tried to begin to build this case that that's not what Jesus was kind of hinting at. We discovered that being a disciple may look different than what we're used to doing. And even though we do this as church week in and week out and we start to feel good about this, we have to stop and ask ourselves, is this really what he was talking about? Yeah, it's easy for us to become distracted. It's easy for us to get used to doing things this way. And, and we just assume everyone does it this way. Uh, for those of you that got married, have been married, you understand what it's like to think everyone does it the way you did it when you grew up until you get married and, and you're st- stunned to find out, wait, you open presents on Christmas Eve? That is just wrong, right? <laughs> the stuffing's not in the turkey. That's wrong. And we just feel so convicted about those things. We don't know what we don't know. We don't want that to be true when we talk about following Jesus. Hey, Jesus, sorry. Hey, I was just going to church like I thought I was supposed to, and, you know, I just thought that was good. Now, there are two different audiences that could hear last week's message and this week's message. There are some out here and some who will listen online who, who are maybe in the first camp where they, they say, um, hey, I'd like to believe in Jesus and go to heaven, but I'm not following him. I'm not into that. I'm not that intense about all this. I'm going to believe that because I'd like to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell, but I'm not changing anything else. He says, uh, that my advice to you, I guess, would be to decide today even, whether or not you actually need a Savior. And if you do decide whether or not Jesus is who he says he is, 
and understand that when he invites you to come, he invites you to follow him, not just take him up on a quick little coupon offer. But there's a second audience, and, and it's to that audience we're going to talk today. See, the other audience for this message, or these series of messages, are those who have been trying their very best to follow Jesus. You're working hard. You, you know he saved you. You know it's right to follow him. You want to follow him. Every message, it gets you to the heart. You say, boy, that's me. You have that desire. The problem is that the more we talk about what it should be like, the easier it is to begin to feel like maybe we don't make the cut. In fact, as we listen to the list of things that believers do, all we hear is a list of things that are seeming to prove that we're not up to par. We're failing. Maybe you're here today and you've been trying your best to follow Jesus and yet you can't shake this gnawing sense that you're failing. Not making the cut. Um, have you ever uh, been to an amusement park and you've seen those little signs in front of the rides? And they basically say, you have to be this tall to ride this ride. Yeah. Uh, it's almost as though Jesus got a little sign out that says, you have to be this spiritual to follow me. And we're just not sure we're big enough to ride. Now, Jesus gave what I believe, it, it, seven commands to those who would follow him. There are so many ways to kind of understand these things, but when I look at everything that Jesus says and I try to boil it down, what is it that he wants us to do as disciples? It comes down to a list of seven. And in fact, uh, I'm going to rattle them off quickly. They're in, your, in the little uh, bulletin note page if you want to use that. He says, first of all, we are to love God most. Love God more than anything else. Secondly, he says, disciples should abide in his word, in his teaching. Stay in the word and learn what he taught. Then he said, of course, we talked about it last week, deny yourselves. And we talked a little bit about what that means. Take up your cross and then follow me. And when he says follow, I think what he's saying is now go, let's go do what you saw me do and what I commanded you to do. Go to the world, share the gospel, make disciples. Follow me. Lastly, I think he says that he tells his disciples to be ready to give up ownership of their things. You can't water this down. Things get in our way. He says be willing to give up ownership of those things. Lastly, he says to his disciples sitting around a table, love one another. This is how they're going to know your disciples. Now that list of seven has actually been a series before. It'll probably be a series again sometime. We'll study each of those in depth. But this morning I just rattled those off because I want to ask and you don't have to raise your hand, but when you see a list like that, does it make you feel better or worse? The ones that you kind of knew were coming, you're not sure you're doing well. But then to hit with a couple that you didn't even think of, oh. How can, how can I 
go and make disciples when I'm not even sure I can be a disciple? Could we just get back to playing church, please? Because otherwise, I'm afraid I'm not going to make the cut. You feel like you're not doing enough. That's an issue of quantity. Or you're not doing the things that you're doing well enough, the issue of quality. Or the stuff that you're doing, you're doing for the wrong reason, an issue of purity. Whatever it is. The sad part is that you feel like you're already doing the very best you can. And you're just not sure you're going to make the cut. Does that make you feel tired? It does me. And after all, I'm supposed to be a professional disciple. How can you guys expect to get it perfectly if I don't get it perfectly? Ain't going to happen on either side. But it does make me tired because I go through this myself. As I listen to Jesus' words, there's a part of me that goes, I'm not even sure I'm going to make the cut. And so if that is you this morning, and you're in danger of just kind of throwing up your hands, kicking in the neutral, you may not announce it, but you are kind of out of the game for a while. If that describes how you've been feeling, then I invite you to listen to just one passage today. You heard me right. Mark it on your calendars. We're going to look at one passage. And simply hear what Jesus has to say. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. It's a common, familiar passage. And I just want to walk through what Jesus is saying and what it means to us. Let's read it together. You follow along as I read. Jesus said this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let's just walk through this for a moment. This is something that any one of us can do on our own, sitting with a Bible in our lap or your smartphone app in front of you. Uh, by the way, no seminary tricks here today. Don't have to delve into a lot of the original language. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a few tidbits, but it's all accessible to us today. First thing he says is, come. Come. Do you know what it means in the original language? Come. Ooh. Yeah. But it is emphatic. It's not like, oh, yeah, well, if you want to come. It is commanding. It is urgent. In fact, maybe if you've watched any television news about some of the flooding, you've heard them talking about evacuations. That's not a bad understanding of what Jesus is saying. Come, come, come on, come on, come on, come, come. Come. It's an invitation, but it's an urgent, authoritative invitation. He says, come, 
to. It's a preposition. doesn't mean a lot, really. I'm going to suggest that where we come to makes a difference. Come to me. Come to me. It's interesting he doesn't say come to a building. Come to a temple. Come to a philosophy. Come to a, 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 a book. Come to a, a, a way of thinking, a worldview. He doesn't say it. He says, come to me. It's personal, and it is personal today, just like it was when he spoke it. Now, this might be hard to believe if you're feeling like you, maybe you've been failing him. And maybe you have. I have. When you feel like you've failed someone, this is the last thing you expect to hear. What we expect to hear is, depart from me. You have failed me. I'm disappointed in you. I'm frustrated with you. Jesus says, come to me. Not come to me, those of you who are winning. Come to me, those of you who are scoring high on the aptitude test. In fact, he makes it very clear. Come to me, all of you. It's like he knows that he's talking to you. He's assuming that many of you fall into this category, many of us. All of you. It's as though you'd go home and you'd find out that despite the in addition to the invitation that he gave in that crowd, you go home and you find out he sent you a personal email. By the way, Mike, I just wanted to make sure that you understood the invitation was for you personally. Come to me, all of you. Sorry, I know some of you like structure, so it's supposed to be here. I just skipped it. This first part is the invitation. So that's his invitation, 28a. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. All who are weary and burdened. These words are closely connected to each other. They're really kind of like cause and effect. And the effect is first. Weary. It's the result of disagreeable toil. The tense is present, continuous. The idea is this work just seems to never end. Do you ever have something that seems like it never is going to end? I was watching a movie this week, one of those old gladiator kind of movies, and there's a bunch of slaves chained down below deck rowing. And I thought to myself, how would you even survive the fact that you didn't get up off of that thing to eat, to go to the bathroom, to sleep? You were just chained to this thing, and it was just endless. I started feeling hopeless, just, oh, just, oh, gosh, it would be horrible. And yet, that's sort of the idea here. Those who are weary, this will never end. And then he gives the cause, because you're burdened. No big insight, it means just that, burdened. But the idea is a heavy load. The idea is like, these, these loads are like to the maximum, and they just keep dropping off the conveyor belt. <laughs> and you move it, you throw it, and, it'll be, and another one, and it just keeps coming over and over In John 21, there's a record of Jesus speaking to Peter. This is after the resurrection, after Jesus's, I mean, Peter's denial. 
Remember, he had bragged, even if everybody else leaves you, Lord, I will not leave you over my dead body. There's no way. And of course, he denied him three times. You know the, the story. Jesus comes to Peter. Peter, hey, you love me more than everybody? Oh. Lord, you know I love you. Hey, Peter, just, just a review. You love me more than everybody? Oh, come on. Asking him three times just reminded directly to the failure of denying him three times. But in the end, after he was forced to face his failure, and his answer was, I still love you, Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Come do, come begin to do again what I called you to do. I'm not sure what it is that's making you weary. I don't know what the burden is. Sometimes it's health. Sometimes it's finances. Sometimes it's this, really your relationship with a spouse or with your children or with your employment. Maybe it is your relationship to God. But whatever that burden is, it feels like somebody's just, it's like sand just keeps adding and adding and it gets heavier and heavier and you keep trying to deal with it every day and you're getting weary and weary there is hope in remembering that Jesus even allowed Peter to be restored. And the only requirement was, do you love me? So secondly, we're going to see the insurance. Okay, a little note. It really should be assurance, but these are all eyes, so I had to do insurance. So... As pastors, we get extra points for that kind of stuff. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden or burdened, and I will give you rest. I, personal delivery, will, emphatic, not a question of may, maybe, give. I'm the one who gives it. You don't produce it, Mike. You're not going to accomplish this. And it's for you. And what I give is rest. Later, he describes it as rest for our soul. Honestly, isn't that the part that gets tired that we feel the most? A good night's sleep can help with being physically tired. Some distraction can help with us being kind of emotionally tapped out. But when our souls are tired, only Jesus can give the rest we need. And so he says, I will give you rest. <laughs> Sign me up. Now, careful now, okay? Sign me up. This is great. I could use some rest. I've been needing rest in my soul, by golly. And yet as I say that, I remember people saying, bread? Bread? Free bread? There's free bread? I'll take more free bread. Water? There's a water that if I drink it, I'm never going to be thirsty again. Ooh, give me that water. Jesus, I need rest. But I don't need rest more than I need you. It's you I seek. But it is my awareness of my need for rest that has helped draw me back to you. I will give you rest. Next, he gives us this instruction. 
not intruction. I do this for a living, for crying out loud. <laughs> right? It's just, I think Jesus does this on purpose. Ha, 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 ha. Is that what's wrong, by the way? You've been taking yourself a little too seriously? Yeah, me too. Instruction. He says this, take my yoke upon you. Hold it. Bait and switch here. Hold it. You were talking about rest. I'm not sure what a yoke is, but it sounds like work to me. How, why in the world does Jesus, he's talking about giving you rest, and the very next words out of his mouth is, oh, and I'm going to put you up in a, into a yoke. Oh, boy. That's what you sign up for on your vacation, right? Is this the one with the yoke? Oh, great. Is this the car we have to pedal? All right, great. Is this bait and switch? It's interesting that he promises rest, but then he talks about a yoke. Maybe instead of instruction, we could call this the imposition, the bait and switch. Now, it is helpful to know a little bit something about Jesus culture and a yoke. And for some of you who've got kind of an agricultural background, or at least you drive through Lancaster, you might understand. You might understand this. But a yoke is this instrument that, that will link two animals, two plowing animals, two oxen pretty much in his day, together to pull a plow or a wagon. And it was common practice to put an old, experienced oxen or animal alongside a young, inexperienced one. They would be paired together for the express purpose of the older one training the younger one. It just made sense. It's what happened. And that way, it kind of the oxen did the teaching, and the, old, the young one would just learn. But I'm going to suggest that it wasn't a pleasant experience for the young one. As this animal is just plowing along, and the young one would be like, hey, I just want to go over here in the shade. Kink, ow, ow, shade, ow, ow, that hurts. Okay, hang on a minute. Now you're not, and then he starts to dig in his heels, and the other one's like, just dragging this one. Finally, the young one says, I've had it with this. I'm going back to the barn. Kink, ow. And that's how you get a sore neck, right? This guy, he's just clinging, banging, and, and, and what is it that teaches him to learn the lesson? It's not the the patient instruction of the farmer or even the other ox. It's the pain in his neck. Huh. See, I always thought pain was a bad thing. But often pain is the very instrument that Jesus uses to say, would you stop yanking and working against me here? He says, take my yoke on you and learn from me. So, I told you about my riding lawnmower before. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but I haven't told you about my push mower. I also have a push mower. In fact, my push mower was given to me by you, by Crossroads, about five or six years ago for Pastor Appreciation Month. They knew that I didn't have 
uh, a lawnmower. In fact, back then, my grass was just coming in, I think. It was still a mud fest out there. And they said, here you go. And they gave me this beautiful, you gave me this beautiful self-propelled craftsman lawnmower. So I want to tell you about my experience with my self-propelled lawnmower. It is set. I, a long time ago, I had one that I could adjust the speed on. I loved that thing till it died. This one doesn't adjust the speed. It, it just goes a certain speed. It, however, happens to go just slightly slower than I'm used to walking. So I am prone to cut my lawn. Before I was given my riding lawnmower, I had to do the whole thing, push mowing. And I'd be pushing this thing, pushing this thing. I'd actually start to get blisters on my hands, a little sore in my elbow, sore here and here. And boom, push, push. And I would push, and I'd be halfway done thinking, man, am I ever sore. And then I remember, this thing's supposed to be self-propelled. <laughs> I can cut my lawn using three fingers, really, two and one. That's all I have to do is pull that handle up, and it, that's how easy it is. I just walk behind once I learn to walk at its speed. What's funny is when you try to push a self-propelled lawnmower faster than it's supposed to go, it's actually harder than pushing one that isn't self-propelled at all. I feel like the thing is fighting me. And all along, the irony is, you know, Mike, the thing will do it by itself if you would just go the pace that it's designed to go. So usually, once I start feeling sore and pain and I'm a little tired, then I go, and then the rest of the time I'm like, I just have to go slower. By the way, I've, okay, I know, yes, I've timed myself. It adds about six minutes to the whole ordeal, going its speed versus my speed. <laughs> you guys know that's how I'm wired. I'm like, ah. Jesus says, Learn from me. The root word for learning here, it's very close to the, to the root for, for the word mathetes, which is really the New Testament word for disciple. It has, he says, and be discipled or be disciplined by me. We think of discipline as a bad word, but in this context, it's all about training, learning. But let's be clear about something. Being disciplined or discipled in this learning process is not the kind of learning you and I are used to for the most part. This isn't sitting at a table in a well-lit room, having information printed on pages, and we're simply digesting it intellectually. The setting for this is more like uh, an athlete who is training to learn his, his sport or skill. Um, I really don't like watching ice skating, but my wife does. And so we watch ice skating sometimes, not very often. But I will say this. The one thing I can't get past appreciating is how, how can two people be on skates? First of all, how do they stand up? But anyway, so I, I know uh, Steve Potts is like, it's easy. Um, so, but the, and they're twirling and spinning and jumping, and it's exactly the same. Different shapes, bodies, and weights, and everything, and yet they're just so, how does that happen? By doing it a million times. And so they'll go to practice at crack of dawn, and they skate it, 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 and they skate it. Now, personally, I would be saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm tired of doing this. You are cramping my creative style. Let me just go out there and express myself. <laughs> you want to guess how that would look? As I'm just sliding along the ice. See, we tend to 
put way too much value in our creative expression. Independence. You don't understand. That's not how I would do it. I don't think anybody cares how you would do it. Learn how it's done. Oh, that's kind of that's belligerent. That's kind of arrogant. You know, I, like, uh, I want to do it. I'm not going to sing it for you. My way. <laughs> and then we weep. And we cry that God isn't giving us success on the ice. Because we try with all of our heart to skate for him. We just don't want to show up for practice. Wow, that applies, doesn't it? Worship. Oh, anyway. So, yeah, any of us are like that. Yeah, I want to do this for Jesus, but this practice is monotonous. It's tedious. It's just like that. Nah, nah, nah. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, here's the incentive. Something that we should know. He says, for I am gentle and humble of heart. Is that the way the young ox would describe the older ox? I think not. And yet, if you'd watch this, this tug and pull, you'd notice that the ox is actually just doing what he has always done. Just trying to keep a steady pace. Come on, boy. Come on, stop, stop it. Really, honest, come on. I don't know of many passages where Jesus describes himself. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to actually be with Jesus? To actually talk to him? I mean, even get a sense of his, not just, I mean, his holiness, his glory, but what about his temperament? Did he have a sense of humor? What was he like? When he has the opportunity to describe himself, he says he's gentle and humble of heart. I've got a few friends who are gentle and humble. And I love them. Because I know they have my back. And I know that even if they have something hard to say, they're going to be loving. It's safe to be with them. Jesus says, that's me. And the work I do flows from who I am. He says, I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't say, and you will get more effective in your ministry. You're going to save more people. You're going to memorize more Bible. You're going to preach better. Wouldn't that be great? What's his concern? That you and I find rest for our souls. The effectiveness, the work, he does that. He invites us to walk along. I want you to imagine what would the young ox be doing if he would learn the lesson and just walk alongside the older ox. The older ox could pull the whole thing by himself. Just stop fighting. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That word easy, it, it means easy, I don't, but, but one, of the, one of the uses of that word also has this idea of being tailor-made. It fits like a glove. Wow. Jesus says, because my burden, the yoke that I, I have for you, it's going to fit you perfectly. 
well, that's, that's not been my experience, <laughs> you're still pushing and pulling and tugging. But the yoke that I have fits you perfectly. It's tailor-made. It does exactly what we need it to do. It fits just right. And he says, and my burden is light. And that the idea is, it just means light, agile. You know, many of you know I like to backpack. And it is possible to backpack with a nice a pack that is carrying the things you need, and it's a delight. Or you can do what I do and bring everything that you could possibly need ever. And then suddenly this burden isn't helpful. It's a burden. A 45-pound backpack takes all the fun out of hiking, I promise. Jesus says, this load, it's going to be just right. Now, wait, you say, OK, Mike, hang on for a second. We all know here that the Christian life is a battle. It's a fight. And I would say, I agree with you, it is. But the fight isn't with Jesus. In fact, he does the fighting. Wouldn't it be terrible to discover, I, the Christian life is a battle, and then to discover that you've actually been fighting Jesus most of the time? Pushing that self-propelled lawnmower through your Christian life? and wondering what is wrong with this thing, and what is wrong with me, and why can't I get it cut in a proper amount of time? Why is it so hard for me? It's hard because I'm not, I'm not doing it the way he intended. And so, to wrap things up, it's ironic that our rest, the rest that we seek, is found in labor. The comfort that Jesus offers is found in working alongside of him. It's hard to be the young ox. It's hard to be tugging, pulling, yanking at that yoke. It leaves marks. And it makes the next day of, of plowing even less enjoyable than the first. So how about you? If you have been feeling tired, could it be that you have forgotten what Jesus said, that we, we stick our heads in with him and we let him do the steering? We let him do the pulling. Mike, you don't understand. I fail. I fail so much. I get so angry. I get so angry. All the time I'm angry. What are you angry about? Because this doesn't go the way I want it to, and that doesn't go the way I want it to. And so apparently you want things to go the way you want. I do. The only person I know who gets that is like a king. Yes, I'm supposed to be a king. I'm not a king. Then you don't have to get angry. No, Mike, I, I'm so hurt. You don't understand. I'm so deeply hurt because people have failed me. People who should have been there for me, they failed me and they let me down. Well, why is that a problem? Because I need people to not fail me. Do you? This is a rough road. If it, I, I, people must not fail me. Jesus says, I'm the only one that can carry that job. If you know I won't fail you, I'll bet you can deal with the other failures. You understand? I'm so afraid. Mike, I, I fail because I'm always so afraid. I'm afraid of what might happen. Well, why, why are you afraid? Because I don't know what's going to happen. And, and I can't stop things from happening. 
I need to be in control of everything. Really? I, I need to make sure that nothing happens that I don't know about. Not bad things. No surprises. And Jesus says, the only one that knows what's coming next is me, but I got your back. What if you were to just trust me and let me worry about these things? By the way, there are some bad things coming, suffering, pain, but the only ones that are going to come through are the things that will actually help you walk with me. I'm going to show you. When, you. when you feel that sore, it's because you're pulling and I will instead. Yeah, Mike, you don't understand. I fail God because I'm way too busy. I'm just so busy. I got so much going on. I can barely keep it together. Tell me more about all those idols that you're serving. I didn't say idols. These are all good things. I mean, I got a job. I got a future. I got my family. I got my hobbies. I've got my hopes and my dreams. And all those things take attention, and so they all must share shelf space with Jesus. Well, no, no wonder you're feeling frantic because they're idols. Jesus says, how about if you just pursue me? and all these things will be added to you. Or maybe you say, Mike, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just so tired. <sighs> I'm just tired of trying. I'm tired of failing. I'm, trying, I'm tired of hoping and being disappointed. I'm just tired. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn of me. For I'm gentle, humble of heart, and you're going to find rest for your souls. I don't know the application for you, but maybe even now, as we sing, and you have a minute to think, you probably will. Why not determine today to come to him to find rest. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I don't know how it happens, but we, I, not we, I, I start out trying to follow you, to walk behind you, to try to do the things that you did and and be the person that you are. And, and, and all those things sound noble and laudable. And yet, before I know it, it seems to go south. And everything goes off the rails. And before I know it, I, I'm pulling against something. I'm pushing. I'm trying so hard. I'm getting so tired and so sore. And then I don't understand why you don't answer these prayers. And why you don't fix things and make things better. Don't you understand that I'm suffering? Don't you know that I'm hurting? Don't you know that I'm thinking about quitting on you? And if we would just pause, we would hear you say, Mike, come to me. Take my yoke. Work with me. I'm going to work right alongside you. Lord, would you help us to know what it is, where we should start? Where's that first step?
toward letting you do the work, us coming alongside you, us trusting you for whatever it is that must be done. Remind us that we absolutely will fail if we are trying to follow you and be your disciple and leave you out of the equation. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Intro music by bensound.com. Visit us online at crossroads-cc.org.